How many of you know Disney princesses? You know your Disney princess stories? I know Belle isn't really one of the princesses, is she? But she's like that. And Cinderella, you know that. So in Beauty of the Beast, the beast has this flower. Do you, what does he, do you know what he puts it under? The flower in Beauty and the Beast. Does anybody know that reference? It's called a bell jar, right? You put it under there to protect it. Is that the best way to protect the flower for, for the beast? Is that the way it should have been? If you know the story, right? It's important that it's a bell jar that the flower is under because bell is the one who's actually the protector of the flower, not the jar. I want to say that this way specifically so that you know this. We're going to talk about this text. I'm going to read the text today, and I want to say this. There's, there's mothers and grandmothers and ancestry and fathers in the faith all in this text. But one of the things that's going on is we want to make sure we understand how to guard the faith that's set within us, both by our mothers or our fathers in faith. And so I want to do that because we don't guard our faith. I need to say this. Do, do you guard your faith by, by sort of holding it in and not letting anybody see it? Is that the best way to guard your faith? Okay. Shall we read some scripture? Let's do that. This is from 2 Timothy 1, 1 to 14. It's just the first 14 verses. And I will sort of talk about this a little bit here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. According to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Now, Timothy is not his son. I just need to just say that outright. Paul's son is not named Timothy. If Paul has a son, we don't know. Timothy is his child of faith. As, as one commentator says, there are no grandchildren in the family of faith. They're all first-generation believers. right? The, but in that economy, there's a chance for you to speak into somebody else's life and to become a parent in the faith in that way. Did anybody, has anybody here ever had, had a mentor in faith in their life that became sort of a spiritual mom or dad to them? Okay, just three of you, just three of you, whole bunches of you. Now I want to say Paul is doing that because it's been done for him. He is doing it for others. We get to do that. That's part of the family of faith aspect here. Here it goes some more. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. I want to make sure that you know why. This is Dave's opinion, by the way. Dave's opinion about why all the genealogies are in the Old Testament. Have you ever wondered that? You just thought, I'm just going to read through the genealogies and keep track and all that. Do you know what? All those genealogies and all our ancestors who were faithful or not faithful are there for? God has set a deposit of time involved in relationship. And if you could look back in time and know that God had been involved in your family for 27 generations... 
or 30 generations or 40 generations or whatever it is, then you would know that God has done the time and has stuck in there with the good and the bad alike. That he's not just looking for great behavior out of his people, but he's looking for a, a relationship with them. And generation after generation knew that. Now, that being said, that is a deposit of time and involvement that God has done within the family of faith. Here's the other way that that is done. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Do you see the connections of family of faith and time and generations and, and, and even our own families? Those of you who have a, a parent that has faith in God, have, they, have they poured into your life that way? That is what he's talking about, this deposit of faith, this sure and sincere faith. Here it is. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but power, love, and self-control. Two things going on here that I need you to point out here. Within the family of faith, I said this in the first service, and I said it in quite a different way. I want to make sure that you hear it in this way. Church, the family of faith, has a specific place within the development of faith and practice within the body of believers. Do you know what it is? Many of you do. Many of you experienced it, but many don't. The family of faith is a safe place where you can try out your sea legs or your practice of faith in a place where it's not supposed to be judgmental, but safe. Where you can learn how to witness and love God publicly and then go from there with faith and practice and, and a stronger faith out into a less safe environment. Now, I know church hasn't always been a super safe place for everybody, but that's what it's supposed to be, the family of God getting together and giving you a chance to learn and develop skills that you didn't have, just exactly like your family is. And I want to talk about this in, in the ability to develop language within the own fa- your own family. This is how infants learn how to speak and go introduce themselves as adults. There's quite a leap there, isn't there, from infants to adults. How do infants learn how to communicate? They sort of see a face and they say some sounds and everybody goes, oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Isn't that right? Those of you who've held a baby, they're learning how to communicate and they're not doing an awesome job at it, but everybody's safe. They like the goo-goo and the gaga and all that. And they think that's cool. And look, they're holding my finger. <laughs> that's communication. That's the beginning of developing skills in a way that goes through these stages that we all kind of go through. If you're learning how to talk to people, you learn how to talk to your mom and dad and your siblings at home, and then you get out in public and there's people you don't know, and you're about this tall, and you hide behind the legs of your parents when somebody's new there because you don't have confidence on how to do that yet. 
But as, as your parents might go like this and introduce you and sort of force you into it, or maybe they let you hide for a little bit and then later on force you out and, and, and you go to school and you learn different people and you have friends and you play in the playground, you are learning how to communicate with strangers. And pretty soon as an adult, you can go into a room or perhaps you can go into a room and, and meet somebody that you've never met before and say, hi, I'm Dave. And you can do that because you've had some developing skills and you've learned how to do it in a safe place and now you're in a less, less safe place. You can even go into grocery stores and say, hey, to somebody with a, with a, with a, with a smock on and say, hey, I'm lost. Where do I find this? And you did that because at one point in time you said goo goo gaga to a parent. <laughs> that is the role of the church within faith development. The role of moms and dads. Now moms and dads have this really specific role in that and, and the Bible has this really interesting. Did you know that all the begat language is around dads? I just say it this way. Dads never gave birth to nobody. <laughs> but now we're talking about a mom and we're talking about discipleship, which is usually what we think of as a, as a parenting technique. I don't think we think of it as only dad specific. But, but when, when the Bible talks about Paternity stuff, it uses a mom characteristic. When the Bible uses, when the mom talks about maternal, or the development of moms and grandmas, it uses the, the, the father's thing. It's saying both are really important, but they're important for different reasons. And here's the reason that I, for today's purpose, that I'm going to draw on. You were born into this world, but then, when you met Jesus, you were born into a family of faith. And just as this world taught you some lessons and you went to school and you learned, and maybe you learned how to prove that two plus two is not internally consistent theoretically and four, you can't make it equal four in philosophy. Did you know that? It's a convention we just all trust. <laughs> I got my math teacher over here. <laughs> Just like that, your family of faith, your parents in your faith, your mothers in your faith, teach you how to live a life that guards the deposit of life that has been put inside you. How? Well, first off, how do you do it? What, what is the deposit? I want to, I want to make sure that we understand exactly what we're talking about. What is the deposit that Paul is talking about? Here it is. It's in the second half of this verse. I need to do this. Here it is. The, the verse actually goes to how to guard it first. So let me continue reading in verse eight. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages it began, and which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality. 
to light through the gospel. So there it is. There is how you guard it and what it is that you're supposed to be guarding. The first thing it said in how you guard it is that you don't be ashamed of the testimony within you. He has not given you a spirit of timidity, but one of power and strength. How do you guard it? Well, you learn how to not be so timid with it by being in a safe place and you learn by sharing here. And and by the way, church, I call on you to help people develop their faith so that when they step out of this place to a less safe place, they're able to stand. It's really important that we learn and, and, and have a safe place to try things and, and do, you know, we have people doing music here all the time and, and they have skills and, and they're developing and you've got a pastor who's super happy that his faith is still developing. And this has to be a safe place to do that. It also has to be a safe place to be a little baby. <laughs> I love the bow. Do you like the bow? Yeah. It, it just seals the whole package on, on Adeline. Every color. Every color. Excellent. But here's the deal about that timidity and about the deposit. They go hand in hand. And you need to know that if God put light and abolished death and he did that inside of you, that you need to guard that not by going, oh, it's so delicate, I can't do it. You need to talk about it. You guard that faith. Not, you're not guarded in your faith. You guard your faith by living it and developing it. Otherwise, it will be small and weak and undeveloped. It's sort of like life this way. Let me continue reading. There's just a little bit more. Immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Two really important concepts going on here for the moment. Being a Christian doesn't mean everything's going to go hunky-dory and be sunshine and lollipops. I still like the lollipops with the sticks. Yeah. No. People say, how come my life isn't better? I'm a Christian. Shouldn't it be all better now? No, you live on earth. The difference is, is now instead of going through stuff alone, you get to go through it knowing that you have a future. That's a pretty radical difference. It doesn't mean you're not going to get splashed on by the puddle with the car going down the street. That was never the promise. The promise was is that you would follow Christ. Well, what happened with Jesus? What happened with Jesus as, as, he, as he lived and as he went to the cross? Boy, it was all sunshine and lollipops, wasn't it? Well, who do we follow? Did he not say, this is the way, the pattern of the earth? There will be suffering, but you won't be alone. That's the first thing that's a really big deal here. This is the other one. I know whom I have believed. Now, that's, there's a pretty subtle thing here. 
I want to make sure that you don't don't sing the song, I know in whom I have believed, in that way and think that it's a dry philosophical subject that you're talking about God and I just trusted God and I just, if I know in whom I believe. No, you know a person and his name is Jesus. You know whom you have believed. You know the one you believed. He's your brother in in God. God's your father. And now you have a brother and he's the first. He's the first, or, or as most of our Bibles translate, only begotten. The technical Greek translation there is the preeminent son. The one that makes the way for all the others. You are a child of God and you have a brother. You don't have a philosophical construct that you believe in. You have a person. And his name is Jesus. And he has a title, by the way. We do this Wednesday night. His title is Christ. That's not his last name. You wouldn't look him up in the, in the, in the phone book under Christ for C. You'd look him under, up under J for Jesus or Ben Joseph, son of Joseph. Christ is a title, not a name. It's a role that he fills. Here it is. Okay, so how do you guard this deposit? There's more here. I just, I, it's, there's so much. I know in whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has been what has been entrusted to me, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Guard the good deposit that lives in you. How do you do that? So what does it do in our life? Well, we've already talked about how you do it. You start to live it out and you start to practice. And and at first you're not very good at it. But you get better. And as time goes on, sometimes harder struggles come around and life is still better, right? I didn't, I know the story some of you were told that if you just believed in Jesus, life would be better. And you thought more cars, more toys, more, more friends. But that's not better. That's just more stuff that's going to pass away. Better is, is that you have faith, hope, and love built inside of you in this way. And so this is what faith does. I know Jesus whom I trust. That's faith. Faith is a muscle, just like speaking. You didn't learn how to speak in full sentences with punctuation. Well, I mean, like I didn't ever learn punctuation anyway. But I didn't learn it all at once. You had to practice. And it was okay, you learn by listening and by following and trying it out. And faith is a muscle. And so if you do this, you will say to yourself, I trust Jesus. I trust him and I believe him. I believe the witness of that he has spoken into my life. Do you trust Jesus? Do you, do you believe the words that he has spoken to you? Okay, I go of that. You know what that does? There's this person over here going like this, and she has this big smile on her face, which is just exactly the way it is when she sings too. You know what it means when you trust somebody? You're going to end up being cheerful and happy about that because you're not in doubt. 
Well, what happens out of trust and faith, you believe in that cheerful attitude, pretty soon you are going to be the one driving around town with a Christian song at full volume on your voice, not the radio. Because <laughs> praising him comes straight out of that faith and that attitude of trust. The opposite of that is this. Are you ready? Fearful. You're afraid. People won't accept me. People. No, you've been accepted. You have been accepted by God through Jesus Christ who spoke those words of love into your life. Here's the next one. Hope. You know what that faith begins to do and that deposit that's been planted in you says is that you have a future beyond what's going on right now. Hope. Faith is that muscle that you develop and you hold on to what? You hold on to your future, your hope in Jesus Christ through all the tough stuff that comes your way because it's coming. I'll say. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just have the live quote here. I'll say. It is coming. Life isn't easy and it's not always fun and it's coming, but you have a future and it's been spoken into your life and that's a hope. You have a future with Him. Do you know what the natural attitude of, if the natural attitude of thank, of trust is cheerfulness, the natural attitude of hope is this. You're thankful. It just flows out of you. You've been given a gift you didn't deserve by somebody who, who paid a price he didn't deserve in your place. Well, the natural opposite of that is this. Are you ready? I'm envious. Have you ever met people that were just deeply envious of other people? Well, it's a problem of the hope that lies within them. They want to be somebody else. They don't want to be themselves because they haven't heard the acceptance of faith and trust and hope. I give you these three things because everything else will pass away. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Do you know why? Love says, I know him. Well, when you know somebody and you love them, you become confident of them and your relationship in them and you stop worrying about it so much that you can actually just be confident. So there you are, cheerful, thankful, and confident. That's a changed life. And that needs to be put on display right in the middle of the struggle. Because you trust him. Now, you might not like what's going on. You live on earth, and that means you're going to need some hip waders. <laughs> and still, stuff's going to get inside him. It's going to get on you. But you have this faith muscle. You've got a hope and a rope and a way of being that you love. All the results are him in him, but if you don't know this, you will end up being timid. If you're in a love relationship with somebody, you're not timid about that. You know them and you know they love you and you it just happens that way. But if you're not, if you don't know that and you don't have faith, hope, and love, and you've got things and, and you try to have friends, but uh, you know, more cars, more money. And all that stuff's going to pass away. Do you know what's left to you? These are the attitudes. You're fearful of the future. You're envious of what other people have. And you're timid in relationship with God. 
But if faith, hope, and love are alive in your life, then you are not envious. You're not timid because you're welcome. Don't stride into somebody's house that you're welcome at and say, boy, I sure hope I can come. No, you've been welcomed. Guard the deposit of hope that's been planted in your life. Guard the deposit with the Holy Spirit's help. Go, be free, love, care. Your future is secure. You know the one you have believed. His name is Jesus. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for today, for the way that you speak life into us. And not only do you speak it, you implant it into us so that we could be part of your family. Lord, thank you. May we just praise your glorious name because we have found salvation through it in God. Amen.